Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're counting down our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and today we're on episode 17 out of 30. Today is all about the Minnesota Twins. Twins fans are living a life of luxury right now, one of the best teams in the American League at the MLB level, and a ton of exciting prospects coming up to keep the ball rolling. We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Twins fans, even though your favorite seat at Target Field is missing you back, I now invite you to sit down and talk about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 17 today, and it's all about the Minnesota Twins. We're here breaking down the entire organization's top prospects that you need to know. Here today to talk about the prospects that want to bring the glory of 1987 and 1991 back to the Twin Cities, we have the owner of Prospects Worldwide and the primacy of park-adjusted ERA. It's Mr. Jake Tellinghast. How's it going, John? How's it going? I'm doing well, man. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not doing well, Jake. I'm not at all. I, right before this podcast, I grabbed a a nice tin of mammoth uh, pecans, mammoth salted pecans, and they're all stale. And now my day is saddened. You know, you said it last time. You did it again this time. You start off real hot. You're like, I had a great day. And you're like, I had a crappy day just now. I just realized it's been a bad day. What's well, up? I mean, it, any good day is ruined by a stale pecan. I think we all can agree. I can argue there, I guess. <laughs> Well, I want to bring someone else in. I want to bring someone else on this heated conversation about stale pecans. These were salted, salted mammoth pecans. You don't, you don't just find these at a farmer's market. You don't just let them go stale either. You eat those quickly. I, they, they sat in the cabinet for too long. I'm very, very upset and very uh, kerflummoxed. Yeah, no one knows that word. I'm going to need to use a different one maybe. <laughs> they can look it up. They can look it up while we bring on our next guest. Our guest is joining us once again. His voice lulls me to sleep when I'm restless and weary. Prospect analyst and scout for ProspectsWorldwide.com, Mr. Drake Mann. How's it going, John? Oh, we're not doing that. No, I like the applause. Yay, we should start applauding Drake when he comes on to build his confidence. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I I honestly don't need a confidence builder. I'm already uh, cocky and arrogant enough, so... Yeah, but uh, I've never had a a stale pecan, so uh, I can't can't really go in that debate right now. I hope the gods continue smiling in your favor, because one day, the god of of hell himself, Hades, is going to come down and give you a stale pecan when you least expect it, and your life will be ruined. Well, I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Probably. I don't know. You'll know what to say when that pecan reaches your mouth. I don't think I can go on, guys. Yeah, let's hit in the prospects. I don't think I don't think I can continue talking about the twins. You know what? For the twins' sake, I want to. I'll fight through it. I want to get through it. I want to keep going. The East Coast can lay aside. The West Coast can lay aside. We're talking about the Central right now. We're talking Minnesota Twins. Jake, Drake, let's get down to it. The Twins fans want to get what they came for today. We're going to talk about the top five guys, and we're going to hit five players afterwards that you want to spotlight in the remainder of the top twenty. The very top of that list is a bit of a conundrum to me. As a former first overall pick, you expect huge things out of 21-year-old shortstop Royce Lewis. He's consistently among the top 20 prospects in baseball, but he doesn't seem to improve his prospect stock. Every year, he just kind of stays in that same low top 20s, you know, somewhere in the 10 to 20 range, never in that really 
top five area like we kind of assumed he would go. His numbers have been good throughout his minor league career, except last year where he took a huge step back in contact. He struck out 123 times, which was 50% more than his previous career high. And his batting average and OBP both dropped 60 points. Technically, he did have a good fall league, but that's only 22 games in a, in a much different environment. I know Royce has the potential to be a you know a five-tool guy, but what are we actually going to get with him? With Lewis, I think you just throw basically last year out the window pretty much. I mean, the dude has just been an, an animal pretty much going through the minors. He has that speed combination or that speed and he has a little bit of raw power in his bat. But the one thing that I talk about a lot on the podcast, uh, and you guys have heard me say over and over, is the big leg kicks that these prospects have, like Luis Arias coming up, Royce Lewis. It's just hard for me seeing him personally with that leg kick to get his timing consistent uh, going forward into the, the majors. I do really like him. I do think he still needs a lot of seasoning, but I think he could overall, if he can get his timing back and, and all that, I think he could definitely be one of the top shortstops in baseball. Where is he in the Twins lineup? If he reaches that potential, is he heart of the order 3-4-5 guy? I would actually say 2-3-4. Two, 2-3-4, three, two, three, four. Two, three, four. okay. Yeah, two, especially 2. I think with that speed and that uh, power that I think he can uh, produce at the major league level, I think definitely he could be that 2 spot in the order, gets on base, steals some bases, and then really sets up your run producers pretty well. Okay. Jake, uh, what are your thoughts on him? It's kind of similar here? I mean, I'm a little different. I, th- I think he's going to be more power than hit. I think, he, I, I mean, he could definitely fit into the two hole, but I think he's more of that kind of five hitter in your lineup with just that overall just strong ability to have a decent hit tool. I think he's going to struggle there. Like you said, there's some concerns with the leg kick and just overall ability to just kind of, like I said, just find that hit tool. I mean, I like I said, I think he's going to be a power over hit guy. He hasn't exactly shown it in his time in the minors. Last season, he had 12 home runs, but... Just the profile overall just seems like his swing's powerful. Yeah, he's just from a local school, so I've seen him play a bit. Um, I mean, obviously not recently. He's been in the minor leagues, but from back in the day, I mean, I always had some concerns on his hit tool. I'd probably put it at a 45 right now, even potential to reach, drop down to a 40. But he has the ability as well to find a 50 if he can kind of shorten his swing up a little bit, as a lot of these prospects have to do when they're in the minors. They just kind of the raw raw ability just kind of takes over. But as you reach the majors, you gotta you got to kind of tinker, tinker your stuff down, just kind of eliminate just just unneeded variables and your I kind of just call them variables or just extra stuff that you don't exactly need. Just easy way to put it. But yeah, as long as you can just kind of limit and eliminate those and just kind of just make it easier for yourself, you have a better chance. But some hitters are just built to just succeed no matter what they do with the plate. I mean, obviously we've had people like Craig Council just do crazy stuff up there. So it is possible to succeed with any type of swing, Gary Sheffield and all these guys. But I think he's going to need to tone it down a little bit. I think the, the tool set's fun. I mean, he's for sure. I, I think some people have some some concerns on him sticking at shortstop. I think he's a shortstop long-term. I don't think there's much question there. But And the bat's going to fit there too as well, like with the power. If, if, everything, if everything goes right, he has some potential to be at his absolute ceiling, a Trevor story. I just don't see him kind of reaching that ceiling. I don't think he'll be that elite at fielding because Story's one of the better fielders at the position, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to consistently just find the contact to be that 30-plus homer you get. So, obviously, low, low floor is never make the majors. High ceiling for him is Trevor Story. What's the most likely outcome? I mean, I think not making the majors is definitely a little 
risky to say about him. I, I don't well, think I'm saying, I'm saying that that's always the lowest floor for anyone. I always set that floor for anyone. There is a chance because you never know what happens. That's why I always will put that as the lowest. Obviously, if the peak story and the floor is just not really being in the league anymore, it's kind of a cop-out, I guess. But he's going to kind of fall in that right above average to right in between that all-star level. Like he might, He'll have a few seasons where he's considered as an all-star. He'll probably be an all-star, especially with his, you know, his hype around him, considering that. But he'll always have that kind of, this guy's going to be a star. Is it going to happen? And then it'll happen one year or two years, and he'll probably get that all-star nods and stuff, and he'll have that consideration around him. But... Overall, I think he just kind of falls short as an every year kind of perennial all-star. And he's just, you're consistent, or maybe not consistent, but he's your everyday shortstop that you don't really have to worry about. He's there, and he has potential to be better. <laughs> you can't complain about that. That's If you have all-star consideration and potential to do more, then that's well-rounded all around. You you enjoy that, that shortstop while you have him. But let's move on from one to two. And second place is no shame for this next guy. It's Alex Kirilov. It's another guy that's similar to Royce Lewis. He did have a bit of a down year last year. From 2018 to 2019, he dropped his OPS by over 200 points and hit 60% less base hits and only 27% less at-bats. There's a lot of numbers in there, but overall, less production. He still has shiny tools. 50 hit, 55 plus power, uh, 50 glove with 55 arm. But tools are no good if you don't utilize them and get results. Is Kirilov going to turn things back to the way when he was that top prospect in 2018? I personally think so. Uh, I do think we actually got a question about this on the site. He was questioning why I had his uh, hit tool a little lower than a majority of uh, prospect sites. And I see him more as a power hitter. I mean, his swing, he really has a lot of launch angle into it. He uses his lower half well, has a ton of fly ball contact. So I do think that Kirilov is going to be that power hitting outfielder going forward. But the fact that he gets on base as well as at a pretty high margin, that's something that you can't complain about either. So I think that we could see a middle ground with uh, Kirilov being that power, but also having a little bit of that hit tool that produces that 300 average a year. But I just see him more as a, as a power hitter. He's no doubt going to hit for power. That's not a question. His, like you said, his swing is built for power. And some maybe have concerns. I mean, maybe, I mean, you're one of them, obviously, that aren't as high on the hit tool. But I don't think there's many questions there. I mean, he doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't walk crazy amount as not uh, as well. But he's consistently shown that ability to just drive the ball at a high rate and just make consistent contact. He's just one of those guys that just finds barrels and he finds them consistently. And it's consistent, hard contact. Like you said, is he's going to be a big power hitter, likely a 30 homer guy a year. And like you said, even a potential 300 guy, I mean, he's got, he's going to have solid, solid OVP based on just his ability to just be on base by driving the ball. And he'll, I'm sure with his ability to just drive the ball, he might even work into better walk rates because he has a good knowledge of this race. And it's just when he swings, he just finds contact. It's just a lot of that. He just is a good guy or he's just really good at finding the barrels. I'll say it over and over, but he's just one of those hitters that is a flat out. He's just a good freaking hitter. This kid's going to be consistent as long as he's healthy. I mean, obviously he missed 2017, but he's been healthy the last two years, I'm pretty sure. And he's ready to debut next year. I don't think he'll, we'll see him obviously in this year or anything, but the twins are looking at next year, I think. And it looks like he's going to be their first base in the future. So I had a question on the first base part. Then if you look throughout the system, obviously Aaron Sabato is farther down and we're not, and you know, we're not even going to talk about Sabato a bit today because he was in our draft pod and you guys can go back and listen to our twins draft pod that we did for the AL central. But it was my understanding that 
they wanted Sabato to be that first baseman in the future because he was all power and nothing else. He didn't fit anywhere else. So wouldn't it make more sense for Kirilov to get an outfield position? I I actually have Kirilov as their right field regular just because yes he does he does have questions about his range in the outfield but he does have really good arm strength and you don't want to stick that at first base where it's going to be more valuable in the outfield that's just my opinion on that yeah so I mean he definitely has ability to play outfield I'm not going to knock him but I mean when you have a 30 speed guy I just have trouble seeing him especially long term like you said he's going to be a power guy he's going to put on even possibly more weight and I just don't see the speed being able to last in the outfield are you kind of concerned about that part I, it is a little concerning, but I, just, I don't think it'll be that much of an issue personally, just because I do think that right fielders, they don't really have that. They, you have that center fielder that can actually run down balls in the gaps. So you don't really need that right fielder who, I mean, if we got Luis Robert out there, I think he'll be fine. Well, I mean, there's a guy, way. there's a guy on this list who I think could defensively could be like Luis Robert. Oh, we'll talk about him soon, Drake. We'll talk about him yes, soon. We will. Yes, we will. <laughs> Uh, so, so all right, whether he is that Mark Trumbo speedless player in right field or if he is stuck to first, meaning Aaron Sabato does, he has to work a little harder to get to the major leagues. Kirilov, regardless, the bat's going to play. Wherever they place him, the bat will play. I think that is uh, well known. And on, on Reddit, it's even more well known. Uh, there's a whole thread on, on my question that I asked about how he he's going to hit 400 for his career. And it's on the internet, so... It's true. Kirilov, career 400 hitter. Goodbye, Ted Williams. You are no longer the, the, the king of hitting. But we're going to move away from the bat right now. We're going to go into the onto the pitcher's mound. Our first guy here is number three. Our first pitcher here is number three on the list, Jordan Balazovic. Balazovic is, is a pretty fun pitcher. He sits high 90s with his fastball, plus he's 6'5". So obviously that extension gives him a perceived velocity boost. The command is above average, as is a secondary slider. By all means, Balazovic is good and worthy of a top prospect rank, but the next three guys are all future values of 50, and, and one of them has a triple-digit heater. What is so special that you put him here in the three spot? I personally just like his pitchability a lot more than, I already know who you're talking about, but I'll just I'll say it right now. I like his pitchability more than, than Duran. I mean, you already talked about that uh, above-average command on his pitches. He has that high-velocity fastball, and that slider, that's a really good put away pitch but I actually personally like his changeup it actually could be a plus pitch going forward but again that slider is also just I just think that he's a really good arsenal and could be the ace of the twins going forward Jake do you see the same thing in him or or would you kind of place him somewhere else so yeah he's definitely interesting in the three hole I would have probably had him down a little bit I'm I'm really high in learning but we'll kind of get to him right next he's at four but he definitely has more pitchability than Duran so I don't knock Drake for kind of having the ranking here I definitely think he's a better pitcher overall than Duran I do I do like just overall stuff and command it's, it's good stuff uh the walk rates are fine the, the K rates are good I mean he keeps people off base he limits runs as Drake said he's a good pitcher I, I don't mind him up here I think there's more of a floor than a ceiling here. I think he's just a very solid pitcher, kind of a three, maybe a four. But he's very safe, in my opinion. I don't think there's a ton of risk here. He has a bit of like a weirdy arm action. It's probably a bit harder to deal with just as a batter, but um, it's a bit long. But he he locates well, and he's got decent stuff, as Drake said. So he's going to probably be successful. I mean, he has a better chance of just being long-term success than Duran does. But I think maybe Duran has that more... I guess that electric stuff, maybe if you're looking for, but I I do agree the pitchability is there with uh, with Balazovic. Well, you talk about the, he has a better future chance of success. 
I'll tell you if he had a better future future chances of success if his name was pronounced Blazevich. That's a much cooler way, and that's how I thought it was pronounced for a very long time. Blazevich is much better than Balazovic. Yeah, it, it might be. I don't really know personally. <laughs> I would vote for Blazevich for an All Star game. I don't care what his numbers are. Much like, much like you'd probably vote Blaze Alexander too, huh? Oh, absolutely. I, I want them blazing up together, bud. <laughs> oh, gosh. But let's move away from Balazovic. And let's go to the, one of the other guys that we spoke on. We've already spoken on both the other uh, future value 50s. But we're talking Trevor Larnich here. Uh, Larnich has been killing it numbers-wise. Over the last four years, he's never dropped below a 300 batting average. And over the last two years, he's added a lot of power to his game, combining for 102 extra base hits across 2018 and 2019. I'm actually a little shocked his hit tool is greater than a 50. On the spreadsheets, it looks to be his calling card. What are your thoughts on Larnick, and do you think he has a chance to keep this bat up? I personally do. I mean, I do uh, like his power a lot more, Like just like Kirloff. I like his power stroke a lot more. But the dude just flat out, I mean, he hits. There's really not a, a lot to say about him other than he hits. And uh, basically, he hits all fields well. And I actually had a – that was the same question he was saying – uh, that Kirloff had the best peer hit tool. I think Larnack might have the best peer uh, peer hit tool in this system just because of how well he hits to all fields and gets on base. I guess I'll just attack the peer hit tool question as well. I'll definitely give that to Kirloff, as I mentioned. I'm a little uh, lower on the hit tool as as you are. Obviously, you're pretty high on it. If you think uh, Kirloff is obviously a near 300 hitter, I'm sure you're thinking Larnish has that potential as well. I think he definitely could, but I wouldn't put my money on it. I definitely think he's in a end up being that power over hit guy and ever since his last year of college he's been just changed his swing for the better i mean he was the same he was on that same oregon state team as as adley um and he was obviously getting a lot of recognition and a lot of eyes on him everyone was there to see adley and then you see a guy that's just not what you've seen before everyone's been watching adley for a few years obviously and then they see Larnish up there and he's starting to tap into some power his launch angles change his bat paths much better and he's growing into his frame and he's like Drake said, he's got some great power. I think he has some of the best power in the system. I would put it over Cure Loss. I would take Cure Loss power or hit over him, but I would take Larnish's power. I think this is legit. I think he's gonna be a strong potential even for sure. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna hit some 30, 30 years or thirty homers a year and he have potential to even reach into thirty fives, quite honestly. And this kid's legit. It's a big park, but this is what the twins do. I mean, they want these guys that can drive the ball and Larnish is another one. And I don't see any real stopping that, quite honestly. I think he's the right fielder of their team. I think it's the right fielder of the future and the side. That's why I think Kirloff's going to fit in the first base. You mentioned the swing change. I actually like the twins actually like I've mentioned this in my write-up, but they lowered his hands and it stands more straight up. So now he can really get into that launch angle more to provide more power. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my thinking. So basically, yes, I do think his, his hit tool is among the best in the system, but I do think his power also is just really, really nice to see. Yeah, and just another thing, I mean, like you said, they, they, they changed his swing just recently as well, and he changed his swing at Oregon State his last year, like I mentioned. That's two swing changes in short time. I mean, he's only 23. He's gone over two swing changes in two different locations, and he's still hitting like one of the top prospects. I mean, just imagine if he finally settles into everything. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little low on the hit tool, so maybe he is going to be a 55-60 hit tool as well, and if he is, he's man, this team's going to be just consistently strong offensively. Just And then if Royce turns out to be, I mean, he's the number of prospect you kind of think he would have the best chance right but as of now where he's kind of the question mark in our opinion but if he turns out to be good this team is set for a long time they need some pitching but they're set offensively well they need pitching and let's talk about a guy who's going to offer them some pitching we're talking the number five guy in their private ranking johan duran 
And he's actually the guy I expected to see at three. Uh, he's got a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and Jake's favorite pitch, the splitter. He's an above-average curveball and, and average command. He was used as a starter all last year, and even after he got promoted to the A, he improved. At first glance, the ERA did go up, but that's a product of unluckiness as his FIP, whip, and ground ball rate all bettered. What is his ceiling here? He, he looks to have electric bullpen stuff, but the durability and stamina to also start. See, his his uh, mechanics are actually, they look really effortless at times, um, unlike the one of the guys that we're going to speak of later. But uh, yeah, they're just, they're effortless, and he throws, like you said, 100 miles an hour. But basically what I saw with Duran was, while I did grade as like an average command, like future command, he needs a lot of refining because he still misses his spots quite a bit. But yeah, he, his uh, arsenal is actually really, really nasty. And I think many people say that the Twins don't really have that much pitching depth. But I think that their pitchers could be honestly some of the best going forward, some of the better in uh, baseball. So don't ignore the question, Drake. Starter or reliever? He's got lights out reliever stuff. It looks like a profile. But he's been used as a starter. Is he going to be a starter for the Twins? I think starter, definitely. I think okay. he's the number two or number three. But Oh, that high? Yeah, I, I do. I, like, just like uh, Balazovic or Blazovich. We're going to call him Blazovich. Screw it. <laughs> Blazovich, all right. Much like Blazovich, I think uh, Durant could be a number two, number three. But basically, I think just because unless that command gets a lot better, but I do think it will. So I think the Twins are pretty set there with their one-two punch. I worry about starters with only three pitches. Drake, is this enough to be the starter? I know you have a pitching background. He does have a really good fastball. does have a really good slider. does have an above-average curveball. Does he need to add something else to really make him that full starter? Yeah, I honestly think he probably does. But as good as a fastball-splitter combo is, it does have potential. And then the curveball is no real shaky either. It's Drake rated as an above-average pitch. And, I mean, it, I'll agree. It's a pretty solid pitch as well. It's definitely not up to speed as a splitter in fastball, which we have as a 70 and a 60. But that once you do as, as a fastball splitter, as uh, you said, I'm happy. I know you're listening now. I know you're a good host. I know I picked the right guy because you clearly listen to me because <laughs> you keep pointing out things I like. And I like the splitter, dude. The splitter is a nasty pitch. Not many pitchers can throw it. A lot of pitchers have some blister injuries and all that. But just in general, not many pitchers are able to just throw the pitch just by pure ability. And just ha- being able to throw a good one is – it's tough to just deal with as a hitter. It's not a, like it's, it's just something you don't see often. And when, when you see a good one, it's it's tough when you got a good fastball, 100 mile an hour fastball, and then a splitter that just buries in the dirt. I mean, he tunnels them well. He hides the ball well. He has a really, for the most part, a decently clean uh, delivery. Now, what what type of host would I be if I didn't know all of your favorite things? I know you like the splitter the most. I know Drake likes what an 88 mile an hour fastball with 80 grade command. That's kind of what you like, Drake. I know Tweedy likes an That's because pitch. Drake threw 60 miles an hour in high school. He likes sir, the soft sir, passers. it was actually 55, all right? Well, yeah, he didn't touch 88. He didn't, he was I wish I did. All right, I wish <laughs> I did. Oh, I'm not saying he touches it yet. I'm saying that's the pitch he likes. He likes the he likes the Reagan era fastball. Let's with just good say my uh, my team called it the gravity ball. So there you go. Yeah, me, me and Drake are pure opposites <laughs> as pitchers. I had the velocity and not much command. The splitter, the curveball. It's I had the four pitch mace with no command, and Drake had the slow ball with the command. I guess. Yeah. Well, 
fans of Prospect Worldwide, look out because the videos of these high schoolers are going to come on the website soon. We're going to put the videos of Drake Mann on the website. We're going to put the videos of Jake Tillinghast on the website, and you decide who the better pitcher is. But guys, that's it for the top five. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G R A N D E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. We are back. Welcome back, like we never left. We recently touched on the top five prospects for the Minnesota Twins, and now we're moving on to spotlight five more in the back of the top 20. This particular one we're starting off with here in the spotlights is personal to me. Coming in at number eight is Gilberto Celestino, <laughs> one of my favorite players in all the minor leagues. He struggled pretty terribly early last year. In his first 30 games, he was roughly slashing 178, 252, 207. But he tweaked his swing and worked to improve his approach. And over the next few months, until the end of the season, he slashed 303, 374, 464, a line worthy of you know any top prospect. He teams up that line with an above-average bat, 60-grade speed and arm, and a 55-grade fielding tool. The only limitation is his power, but even at 40 power, he's no slouch. I mean, he hit 10 home runs during that three-month hot stretch. Personally, I see him as the leadoff hitter, starting center fielder, who's going to be able to range around and help those poor corner outfielders that we were talking about. People are going to love him because of the hustle and the heart and how he plays. Am I overhyping him? I think he's the world of the Twins right now. Absolutely not. I'm just there with you. I love Gilberto Celestino. Now, the one thing, like I said, that big leg kick, I don't know if he's going to be able to hit with that. But you, what, something that you didn't mention was he has low strikeout rates, but actually pretty decent walk rates, especially for a 21-year-old prospect. Um, but yeah, like if I could comp his bat, I would put Royce Lewis. And if I were to put comp his fielding, I would put Byron Buxton. That dude is fun to watch. Celestino, legit. You see him in the outfield diving. You see him jumping for, uh, jumping at the wall. You like he doesn't care. He has above average arm strength. He. I mean, legit. that's that high energy. That's yeah, the high, the high energy, energy the fans in Minnesota legit. are gonna love. Legit, like the, yeah, exactly. The Twins are gonna love him. And the Astros, I think that they really messed up by trading him because I'm actually a big fan of Gilberto Celestino. And that was a trade for Ryan Presley, correct? Yep, Ryan Presley and. Yeah, like, like you said, I think he can be the uh, leadoff hitter, definitely. Yeah. Jake, don't tell me you're going to bring us down to earth. Yeah, I won't really knock you guys off your pedestal here on Celestino. He's definitely a solid player. I think there's definitely a little room to be toned down a bit, though. I, I think he's definitely has that kind of leadoff potential. He's He's got the solid walk rate. He's got the good hit tool. A decent amount of pop where you're, you're fine with it. He's got the walk rate. He doesn't strike out a ton. He pulls the ball a little bit. He has that same kind of... Same kind of concern with the swing, like it's kind of preload. It's just not not preload. Just he's got that big kind of leg kick, same as a uh, same as Royce Lewis. So you think maybe the hit will have some question marks, but he's shown a good ability. I mean, he he. It's kind of a weird. It's like a laying or a hanging leg kick. He kind of gets it down early enough, but he shows a lot of pull. 
So you wonder if he can, can kind of be kind of exposed in the outer half. It's kind of like he might have more power than I'm kind of leading him into because the swing, you look at the guy swinging and you expect Royce Lewis because he's just got that same exact swing. It's kind of that high hanging leg kick, but they're just a little bit different offensively. So I kind of question the hit to a long term. I'm just, I think he'll be fine, but he'll be a that electric player and he will have a role for the team. I'm just, if he can't find that 55 hit tool, he'll probably find himself down near the bottom of the order. But he has a chance to be able to be The one thing with Celestino is I just hope that he doesn't like, you know, he's like a cat with nine lives where he just dives in the outfield and hurts himself or leaps at the wall and hurts. I just, I don't want to see that with Celestino because I'm actually very high on him. So I just, yeah, he's going to go all out 24 seven. He's yeah. not going to give up. Yeah. I mean, tw- twins fans are going to like that because they're used to Tory Hunter. They're used to Byron Buxton and he's the next in line. Yeah, I mean, if it if it's their profile, it definitely is. You just want that health. That's been the problem with Buxton. He's just been injured consistently. Mm-hmm. And when we mentioned well, with uh, Kirloff, with uh, what I mentioned with him and Wright, Celestino in center. I mean, there you go. He already covers both uh, gaps pretty well, so you don't really need that speed to come into play with uh, Kirloff. Yeah, seventy-two percent of the Earth is covered in water. The other twenty-eight percent is covered by Gilberto Celestino. What if they re-sign Buxton? Who's going to be the center fielder? Is this guy actually going to take over for Buxton, or are you just going to slap this guy in left, and then you have one of the better outfielders or one of the better outfield combos? I think it, I think if they do re-sign uh, Buxton, then this guy goes to left personally. But then still, and you have Buxton there, and he covers the gaps pretty well as well. So that's just why I think Kirloff is a right fielder at heart. Guys, I feel like we could talk about Celestino for the next, I don't know, until I'm late for work tomorrow morning. But I want to hold off. I want to continue moving on down. Coming out right behind Celestino is another outfielder in this loaded Twins depth chart, Misael Urbina. He brings a 55-grade speed and 50-grade fielding tool, though probably lacks the arm to stick in center. Not to be outdone, Urbina has the potential to flash big power and a 55-hit tool, making him an intriguing prospect however you look at him. If he's delegated the corner because of the arm, is his power projection and potential hit enough for him to stick out there? Yeah, I definitely think he's, he's not like you said, he's not going to be a center fielder. He's probably going to be able to that left fielder, but I don't care where this guy plays. He's going to hit and he's going to be one of the most exciting prospects in the system next year. The bat here is what I'm excited about. I mean, you got a 55 hit, 55 power potential. Uh, just overall, quite honestly, I think it could even be in the future more. He's just young. So it's tough. It's, it's tough to really gauge right now, but he signed for 2.75 million. Everything that I've seen from this kid is just electric. He's fun. His speed's there. He could even be graded as a plus uh, plus speed guy right now. It probably slowed down a bit when he puts on some weight, but this kid's electric. Like, I always keep saying it. He's going to be – if he finds a way in the same outfield as uh, Gilberto, that's going to be an exciting outfield for the uh, for the Twins for the next couple of years and stuff. But he's a few years away, obviously. He's still only 18, probably turning 19 pretty soon. But I'm just completely sold on Urbina. I think this guy is the next – I mean, a lot of those guys at the top are going to graduate really soon. I mean – all the guys we talked about in the top five are very close to the major leagues, and so is Celestino. He's getting up there. So I think um, Urbina is going to be – honestly, he could be the number one prospect by next season. I don't know if it's going to be that fast, but by 2022, we're going to be looking at Urbina as their number one prospect. I truly believe that. He has he has that kind of potential, and I'm just ready to get him back on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. His tools are extremely loud, and when I was watching video on him, this, everything popped it to be this comp of Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> you know, you got the you got the power, you got he might hit a little bit more than Ozuna, but even like 
even the hitting mechanics are like Ozuna. He has that one-handed release that he uses a ton of power with it. Uh, I do agree. I really like Urbina. I'm a little higher on Celestino, but I do understand Urbina is 18 years old and he's going to grow a lot. So I think he does have the potential to be number one in the system, like Jake said. Sure. I mean, anytime you have a potential number one in the system at number nine, you have a, you have a very deep system. And, and I'm excited to see his growth and his progression. You know, with Royce at number one, he kind of stayed at that 10 to 20 range for year after year after year. I'd love to see Urbina just jump up these boards. But let's move on to our third spotlight guy. He comes in at number 12, and it's Matt Cantorino. Uh, Drake, you actually first introduced me to Cantorino with some pitching videos, and two things stood out above the rest to me. Uh, he has a super kind of funky, herky-jerky windup that he speeds up and slows down in a way that kind of just hurts my joints. <laughs> and the ball comes out of his hand so deceptively. It almost rises out of his fingertips before he releases it. And it seems to be really difficult for batters to get their eyes on. Uh, he uses that deception to strike out 11 per nine with good control, a walk rate of uh, under three per nine. What should we expect from him ultimately? Now, you did mention the herky-jerky delivery. It's sure. very high effort. So it's, yes. it's hard to see him as a starter going forward. But, I mean, his numbers don't lie, like you said. But his curveball is actually very loopy. But he doesn't really... He has that mindset that he wants to really – he'll throw it in any count. Like he'll throw it 2-0 just to get ahead. Kind of one of those get-me-over curveballs. But if not, I think he could be a, a pretty good bullpen guy, especially where his stuff could play up with the limited innings that he would have to pitch. So I I really like Cantorino. Just that high-effort delivery, it's just a little question mark for me. Yeah. Jake, I, I know I always use you as my crutch when it comes to pitching questions. What do you make of this delivery? I know this is an audio platform and our listeners are not watching this delivery, but I urge you to watch a video of Matt Cantorino because it will hurt your elbows and knees and core. Um, yeah, like you guys said, it's definitely it's definitely weird and herky-jerky to say the least. I mean, I've never really, I mean, obviously there's been people like it. There's been different kind of stuff, but I've never really seen many people just as they kind of come to their leg kick, they kind of just like shoot their hands forward and stuff. It's just weird, but I don't know. It works for him, I guess. I'm not going to knock him. I don't, I don't see him being a starter either. I think he's more that reliever profile, but maybe he's just that back of the rotation guy that just has all that deception in the world and is enough to throw him off. I'm not sold on the overall stuff either. I think it's kind of an underwhelming kind of profile, but I think it can take up in the pen too. So I think that's just his overall kind of landing spot, quite honestly. I think that's just where he's in the pen best. See, that's where I, I agree. Like you said, the back of the rotation or it's bullpen. Just, I, I just have so many question marks about that, about him being able to uh, basically stick as a starter just because of the way he throws. And just, I just hope that he doesn't get injured with that delivery because that is very herky jerky and, hurts my body whenever i see it but maybe maybe he could uh basically be one of those guys that rises for the twins but we'll see in the future because he is at the i believe i think jake you share you showed me a tweet i think matt cantorino is at their alternative site i'm not 100 percent on that though um yeah he's on he's definitely on there he'll be getting some good innings and i can't really say much on it much else i've only seen one quick video and i don't even 
can only say what he really did there was just one pitch. So we'll see what happens next year. He's he's got some talent, but it's going to be probably a bullpen like we thought. Okay. Well, well, let's leave the bullpen as is, and let's keep going further down the list. We're going to stop at number 16, uh, shortstop Wander Javier. Javier is the classic prospect that every system has that I can never get behind. You know, he has all the raw tools in the world, you know, 55 raw power, 55 fielding, 60 arm, above average, above average speed. But he hit 177 last year, and his potential hit tool is a 40, well under average. A strikeout rate of 34%, and half of that is swinging strikes. You two always have a soft spot for these types of players because of their ability to do so many things on the field. But simply put, Wander Javier can't hit the ball enough. Can he contribute long-term if he can't make this proper contact? Now, that's what dropped him on this list. Uh, his K percentage being 33%. I think we talked about this with uh, Lazaro Armenteros from the Oakland Athletics. But I just don't think with a 33% uh, K rate, you, you're going to be able to hit enough, especially with uh, – he has been injured as well in the past. And – I think, I believe it was a collar or um, what it was. Oh, yeah, torn labrum. He had a torn labrum in his shoulder, which might have affected his performance a bit. But just once, he's not going to hit enough unless that 33% K rate actually starts declining. Yeah, I mean, I I know listeners of the podcast have heard this name way too many times. But I always, whenever I see a bad strikeout rate like this, I go Danny Santana. He is the major league leader in strikeouts, 32% last year. And he's a below average or below replacement level player. If Wander Javier expects to go to the league, he cannot have a percentage like this. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't see much of a future here unless he can do it. Like Drake said, we talked about Armenteros. I just don't see a role for you if you can't touch the ball. Like, I mean, you always say it too, John. If you can't touch the ball, what are your other tools good for? I mean, yeah, you can maybe do other things on the baseball field, but if you can't provide any offense, I mean, the only offense comes from touching the ball. You can walk, you can do that, but at some point you got to drive in the driving runs and kind of be productive on the offensive side. He's, I mean, back in 2015, he signed for four million bucks. I mean, at the time that was not unheard of, but it was he was looked at as one of the best international prospects in a long time, and it just obviously hasn't panned out. Every year the K rates jumped almost 10 percent. His rookie year, he only played like nine games, but is that 16 percent? 41 game in 2017, he had 27%. He missed 2018 with an injury. And last year, it jumped all the way to 20, uh, 34%, like we said. So maybe maybe he just was kind of coming back from the injury. Maybe he'll come back to what he was before. He was still putting up decent numbers with those strikeouts before. But I don't know. He was also had pretty decent, high, decently high backup numbers. So I'm not sure what he was doing was sustainable. I'm not going to put my money on him making an impact quite honestly i would put my tool or i put my money in another kind of prospect but uh, they gotta really give him chances i mean you gave this guy four million bucks so he's not going to go away anytime soon as much as we probably he probably should he's going to get his opportunities especially with royce lewis at short i mean that unless you just start hitting the cover off the ball i don't think the twins are gonna all of a sudden just say all right you're gonna be we're gonna move royce lewis to second and you're gonna be our shortstop yeah, no, I just don't see that with him. I'm glad that for the first time you guys agree with me on a hitless player. Usually we have these arguments and you're like, oh, no, he's got the power. He's got the speed. He can contribute. He can be on the field as a defensive sub. Da, 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 da. Thank you for understanding my reasoning. 
this guy doesn't have the other tool sets is a problem. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah. I mean, I I just uh, I'm just glad that I'm right for once. That's all yeah, that I like. like. For, for once, there you go. For once, John, John, <laughs> you're always right, buddy. Let's just let's let's hey, go. That. Jake's Jake's sucking up to the host again. Jake, what do we do? <laughs> I gave you your credit earlier when you said I like splitters. You got enough for this day. You give two people credit. I mean, geez, we're yeah. down there. Move on. You, you guys have turned my, my stale nut day around. I'm having a good day again. Let's yeah, move on to the last spotlight. You're welcome. Buddy. Let's move on. Let's move on to the last spotlight. It's number 18, outfielder Matt Walner. Walner's a guy who I'm curious to follow his progression on. When he was at Southern Miss, he was a home run machine. He cranked out an average of 20 a year. And then he goes to affiliated ball and hits eight in as many games as in a college season. I noticed his doubles power went up significantly, so I thought, oh, maybe it's just park dimensions. But it turns out his Appy League Stadium, where the Elizabethton Twins play, is actually smaller than a Southern Miss Stadium. Yet his power was still zapped. He made contact at roughly the same clip, but he just couldn't get the oomph behind the bat. This is possibly my weirdest question I've ever asked on this question on this podcast. Is he going to get his oomph back? I personally think he will. I mean, I in my write-up, I said he has a stance like very similar to... Aaron Judge and his swing path, uh, it produces a lot of fly balls. And I do think that his the home runs will come, especially when he just starts growing with uh, projection because he is – he still is fairly young. He's 22 years old. And this, like you said, he is a home run hitting machine. But the 27% strikeout rate, that, that's got to come down too. And also I do believe he – he focuses too much on his pull side as well. I, I know that that's where most of his power comes from, but mm-hmm. you, you might want to like spread, like, uh, you know, be like uh, Kirloff or Larnack and spray the ball around the yard because he has 48% pull percentage. That's, that's a lot, <laughs> say the least. <laughs> especially in the age of the shift, man. Everyone's just going to yeah. shift you out of some outs. Yeah, especially, yeah, lefty, like that. And we don't know if that's in a, I just don't know if that'll translate well with that 48% pull percentage. Uh, Jake, what do you think about Walner? I definitely like the power. I think he's definitely going to be a source of power. It's just another Twins power bat. Like they like to, they like the light they like to target. I mean, he's not that great on defense. He's probably an average defender. He's got a good arm. He's got a right field arm. I'm not sure he sticks in right field long term. He definitely has a chance. The profile fits. I think he might get moved to left field, though, just – a weird feeling i just think he might end up being either a 45 fielder or just the run and the athleticism might just not be a fit out there and especially in a system that we've kind of talked about they have decently strong outfielders so i think if given the opportunity they'll kind of shove either kirloff or walner if needed in left field if kirloff ends up being in the outfield although i still don't i still don't think that happens i think it'll end up being larnich but if they end up bringing people back it's going to be tough to see him kind of fit in the outfield he might even end up being a first a first a fit at first base just due to the power and the, like the, there's just a drop of uh, athleticism he's obviously a lefty so he can't really fit many other places on the uh, on the team he could be that dh could just be a rotator i'm not too sure where he's going to fit in long term he's definitely going to be a power bat he could be traded it's kind of just a wait and see i think he will have a role in the league but i'm not sure he's a full-time starter I'm just having some concerns overall. It's on the hit tool, but I am, I do like the power. It's definitely a fun tool. Yeah. And it's similar to, you know, we did a Mariners podcast a little bit ago and it's kind of a similar system there where you just have so many good outfielders 
at one point now you're in that 18th best prospect in the system and you're like well he could be a starter and then you start looking at the system you're like oh there's nowhere for him to play and that's a good problem to have because you're right he could be trade bait he could be you know not necessarily defensive sub because he's not a defensive player but he could be a, a pinch hitter type player and and that type of player is a good asset to have on a team. Yeah, it just gives you a lot of different assets or different options kind of with your lineups and just, as you said, with trades even. And just maybe someone goes down and he's capable of stepping in and providing, at least you know this guy's going to be a source of power. And in their lineup, they just need sources of power. That's what they want. And if you can put mm-hmm. this guy in left field, right field, first base, or DH, that's four possible spots for him in the lineup. And obviously that's not the most valuable positions, but – if you can get his bat in the lineup and that's what you're kind of his calling card, yeah, I think you're okay with it at that point. Sure. Well, well, let's go back and take a broader look at the top 20 here. I just want to mention a couple of the guys we didn't touch on. So at 6 and 7, we have catcher Ryan Jeffers and shortstop Keone Cavaco. At 10 is the big slugger Aaron Sabato. And 11 is pitcher Blaine Inlau. 13 wants to man the Minnesota hot corner, Jose Miranda. And 14 and 15 are a couple of outfielders, Akil Badu and Brent Rooker. I want to point out that the first time I typed out Rooker's name earlier in my phone, it autocorrected to toilet. So <laughs> I, I certainly I hope that's not a sign. Else. I thought I was going somewhere else, but that's no, <laughs> no, it it, it autocorrected the toilet. I hope that's not a tell on his future. She's exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man! But moving on from the, the toilet man, savage. seventeen and nineteen are pitchers Edward Kalina and Cole Sands, and not to be forgotten at number twenty. Outfielder Emmanuel Rodriguez. But as always, take a step back further from that. Outside of the top 20, find me a couple guys that are either going to be on this list next year when a couple of these graduates or just someone you want to spotlight. All right. I have four guys, actually. And good God, we don't have six hours. I'm about to take a nap. Wake me up when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, these will, these will be quick. Uh, Nick Gordon. We all know what Nick Gordon can do. The power hasn't really translated at all, but the speed is still there. But and he did just have a pretty good year, but I just don't see it. I originally had him on this list, but Jake, you talked me out of it. You wanted, uh, you were uh, talking about um, Urbina, and yeah, after seeing all that, I just think Nick Gordon is basically D Gordon, his brother. So I just don't see that being valuable to the Twins going forward. Uh, then there's Travis Blankenhorn. I originally had him as well, just because of that power but there's just not a lot of defensive value there. So it's really hard for me to see uh, anything going forward with that other than being a DH. But as of right now, they're pretty good at DH with Nelson Cruz. But who knows how long that dude's going to play. And then I also have Dakota Chalmers, who I was fortunate enough to watch at Fall League. He has high-velocity stuff, really good curveball, but just doesn't have the command, I don't think, to be a starter going forward. And then same thing with uh, Chris Valamont, another guy, high velocity, very lengthy delivery, and he basically is kind of like that. They got him in the Sergio Romo trade with the Marlins, and if he can get that um, command in, in uh, order, he could be something pretty good for the Twins. So, so Drake, I want to point out to you that uh, on, over on Reddit, when I asked the Minnesota Twins fans uh, if they have any questions about the players, your list of guys just then matched these questions exactly, pretty much. We had questions on Blankenhorn. We had questions on Gordon. We had questions on uh, Chalmers. And, uh, yeah, you kind of nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I try my best. Yeah, uh, Jake, what, do you, what about you? Do you have anyone that you want to spotlight outside the top 20? 
Um, well, he's a draft guy this year, so I guess it might be a little cheating, but I still think he, he might have deserved back end of the consideration, but by next year, he's 100% going to be on his list. But his name is Alaric Soleri. I'm just a big fan of his in the draft. You can go listen to our draft podcast, get a big description on him by a few of our analysts and myself included. But yeah, he's got a fun tool set. He's, he looks like he's more of a power guy, but he, he's a really strong hitter just overall. He has just a lot of like just unknown with him. He came from, um, just San Jacinto Junior College, and he transferred to what was it? Was it Tennessee? He had a monster Tennessee yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like John just said, he had a monster Tennessee year. I mean, he got drafted. There's a lot of potential with him now, and I like him a lot. I think he's. I mean, easily he's going to be on the top twenty next year. I think he could even push up to the top. He's not going to be top ten guy, but I think he could be around that ten to twelve, thirteen range. He has that potential. He's he's a corner outfielder, but the bat potential is a lot of fun, and I'm. I'm excited to see him kind of get in the pro ball, especially with the wood bats. He, he's obviously been with the metal, but I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I absolutely yeah. love Solari. I was in love with him during the draft pod. I still want to do an interview with him. So if any Minnesota Twins fans have connections to Alaric Solari, I want him on this pod because I would love to interview him. <laughs> and since Drake got to answer all these questions and fill them all the blanks, I'm kind of hoping you have a question for me. I, I do have a question for you, Jake. One of the ones that I thought was a really good highlight. So my, my the question comes from Snowman Matt on Reddit. What not top guy is going to make the biggest impact next year, similar to Arias in 2019? It's not going to obviously be a next year thing. He's not going to make an impact on your MLB team next year. But in terms of just prospect category, I think I kind of touched on it earlier. I think Urbino is going to be in consideration for their top spot. I mean, as long as he can get kind of get past just whoever's kind of left of the prospects at the top, I think he has that he has that potential. Literally, I mean, it's going to be him, Celestino, and Cavaco unless they kind of have. Some other guys coming in, obviously Sabato, I don't think has that potential. He's a power hitter, kind of one BDH kind of guy. But yeah, I think Urbina has that potential. If you're looking for a guy to directly impact your roster next season as a prospect, I think we're going back to Toilet Boy. I think it's Brent Rooker. I think, <laughs> I think it is, dude. I think Toilet Man makes a comeback next year. He got hurt. It's a bummer. He came up and he was showing pretty decent. He was showing some power and he got hurt. I kind of comped him a little bit to kind of Arias Hoskins, kind of the same similar situation not a overly height prospect he's a good prospect late bloomer late draft pick just an older guy he's 24 25 already i'm pretty sure hoskins came at the same time and if you didn't know hoskins are already already 28 years old this guy's not young anymore but same kind of profile he's gonna get tried in the outfield he's not an outfielder but he'll be that dh1b guy so if you're looking for a guy in your roster next year is probably gonna be Rooker. he's already shown a little bit so i just am amazed that his first major league hit was 112 miles an hour off the bat I mean, that's Welcome insane. to Minnesota, baby twins lumber. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, I would love if Rooker, during his players weekend, when they get to wear their nicknames on the back of their jerseys, Toilet Man. <laughs> toilet <laughs> Man calling it right here. I know our listenership is spread throughout the entire great state of Minnesota. But I know this nickname be, can catch on. But it has to be the toilet emoji. Sure, yes. They do allow emojis on, on player nicknames. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I won't even, I won't even ask for credit for it. If it just happens naturally, I'll know. We'll all know. We'll all know. But guys, <laughs> that is it for the, the the twins today. Like always, we want to keep these T20s as informative as possible and a little entertaining. <laughs> guys, thank you for joining me. Drake, thank you for joining us today. And again, we always appreciate you having it on. It is always a pleasure to have you on. You already know my nickname. Thank you for letting me spew my nonsense.
Are you <laughs> Are you the guy? That's going to be your player. I don't think that's going to fit on a jersey, on a player weekend's jersey. Thank you for letting me spew my nonsense. It's I like a Danny Hachavaria. Okay, you got to think of a new nickname. That was pretty horrible, not going to lie. <laughs> well, Jake, he doesn't get nicknames like you do every single time. You get the Catch you get the Archbishop of Armslot. You get the Viceroy of Velo. You get all these nicknames. Drake has to make up his own nicknames. It's not fair. Comes with the title. <laughs> well, Archbishop, Viceroy, Lord, King, where can people find you on Twitter? And... Is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, just of course on Twitter, jtillinghast27. Prospects Worldwide, our Twitter is prospectworldw. Give us a follow. We're pushing up to a thousand followers and we're trying to get over the hump. We might be doing some type of giveaway or something for it. So if you catch this podcast before we hit the bump, might win something. But yeah, I mean, we got a ton of stuff on the site. Just take a listen to the other uh, podcasts if you haven't. We got a ton of information just like this, jam packed in all of them. About 45 minutes an hour of just prospect analysis. So if you're a dynasty guy, fantasy guy, these are the future, so get to know them. And Drake, boy who spews nonsense, what about you? Where can people find you, and what do you have to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at DrakeMan4, and then I'm working on the Indians Top 20, so be on the lookout for that. It'll be available in the next couple weeks. Nice. And as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at PumaRevive, that's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to our pod. Give us a great review every single time you listen. I love those five-star reviews. Go over to prospectsworldwide.com. Click around. Like Jake said, we have a lot of great things going on over there. And please, if you have any questions at all about a team we haven't done yet, or if you just want to hear us talk about something, send us a line to at prospectsworldw on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions and requests, and I'll be happy to ask them next time. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.